I'm sure you would have noticed as we read that passage in John 6 that bread comes up a lot. Bread's kind of our big theme today. Jesus makes this kind of incredible claim. He says, I am the bread of heaven come down to earth. Now, he's clearly talking in a metaphor. He's not like a loaf of bread. It's <laughs> just turned up. He's saying something. And I don't know, maybe you might wish that he'd said something different. Uh, maybe you'd wish that he said, well, I am the cake that came down from heaven. Or I'm the ice cream with sprinkles on top. That's probably what my daughter would have said. Why bread? Why does, why does Jesus say bread? Well, it seems to me that it's because bread is a staple of life, isn't it? I mean, back in Jesus' day, and still today, bread is kind of the, the staple food that nourishes us, that kind of fills us up, makes us feel good. Uh, it's the th- thing that satisfies us. I was having dinner uh, with my wife last week, and I just recalled this. Um, we were eating sausages and veggies, uh, as we kind of often do, and uh, I said to Laura, I said, Laura, still eat hungry. So do you know what I did? Went over to the kitchen, got a piece of bread, put some butter on it, came back, mopped up all the little juices, ate the bread, and I felt good. I was satisfied. Because that's what bread does, right? Bread just kind of fills you up, makes you feel good. And what Jesus is saying by saying he's the bread of heaven is he's saying, I can satisfy you with your life. He's saying, you want that feeling that you know, you've just had a really good meal? You want that with your life? that you're not empty, that you don't have this kind of need and discontentment going on all the time. You want that with life? Jesus says, I can give that to you. I can satisfy you. And I think it's a pretty big claim, don't you reckon? For someone to be able to say that. I can satisfy you with your life. And I reckon most people actually don't believe it. Most people look at Christianity and they go... You know what? That doesn't look all that satisfying. That that just kind of looks like a maybe a bunch of rules, or, or that kind of looks like I have to give up my fun. That's what a lot of people think about Christianity, uh, and and I think you know we see this at uni a lot. People are actually looking for satisfaction. We looked at this just a couple of weeks ago when we looked at John four, but people are looking for a sense of satisfaction and enjoyment in life. You know, maybe it's in partying and drinking that kind of lifestyle, looking for it there. Maybe it's in getting a relationship, uh, having a particular boyfriend or girlfriend, getting married, having kids. Maybe it's that sort of thing that we look for satisfaction in life. Get a good job, get a good career, get money, set yourself up, that kind of idea. See, I reckon there's lots of ways that we can actually search for satisfaction, fulfilment in life. But what Jesus says to us tonight is that if it's not him, then it's like bread that spoils. You ever kind of gone to your bread place, wherever you keep bread in your kitchen or your your room, and it's mouldy? It's gross, right? Sometimes, this is what I do sometimes, I peel the little mouldy bit off and chuck it and, and you shouldn't do that, right? It doesn't satisfy. It's old and it's crusty. But, you know, I don't like wasting things. Anyway, why does Jesus say this? In fact, I guess the question is, how can Jesus say this? So can you imagine if I stood up here today and I said, Evan, do you know 
I can satisfy your every need. Or, you know, can you imagine if I said that? If I said that to everyone here, whatever your discontentments are, I can fill them. Pretty crazy, right? You'd kind of go, Steve, you're an idiot. (laughs) You can't do that. So I guess the question is, why can Jesus say that and get away with it? That's what we want to look at tonight. Uh, And I think what we see, what we want to look at is, firstly, what Jesus did when he was here on this earth and what he said about what he did, if that makes sense. In verses 1 to 15 of John chapter 6, we didn't read those verses. We already had a pretty long reading and it was pretty complex. But, thank you for reading it, Julie. Um, In verses 1 to 15, I assume it's a story that most of you would have heard of. It's the kind of miraculous feeding of the 5,000. Uh, It's a very popular story. The way the story goes is this. Jesus has kind of been moving around the countryside. He's been travelling. He's been teaching. He's been healing people. He's been doing these miracles. And because of that, there's been this great crowd of people who have started to follow him. And in chapter 6 and verse 2, you see a really large crowd. This is not a real picture of back then. But I wanted you to get an idea of a really large crowd of people. In verse 2, if you just have a look there in your gospel, it says this, A great crowd of people followed Jesus because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Do you see there why the crowd was following Jesus? It's because he's been healing people. It's because he's been fixing people. He's been satisfying their health needs, their stomach needs, all that sort of thing. And so they come to him and they hope that he will do likewise that he'll satisfy them. And what happens as you read this story is that's exactly what Jesus does. You see it there in verse 5. Jesus looks at the crowd. He sees that they're hungry. And so he takes a couple of bread rolls and he divides it and divides it and divides it and divides it until 5,000 people are absolutely full and satisfied and filled up. It's incredible. It's an amazing miracle. In verse 12 there, you can see it says they all had enough to eat. In fact, there were basketfuls of leftovers. That's how much Jesus satisfied that crowd in a physical way. Now, in case you're kind of wondering, Steve, that sounds a little bit fanciful. You know, someone doing that, you know, taking a few bread rolls and feeding 5,000 people. Well... Actually, there is good historical evidence outside of the Bible to confirm that Jesus was a man who did miraculous, unexplainable things. Let me just show you two of those. A guy called Josephus, he's an ancient Jewish historian, he writes this, he said, Jesus wrought amazing works. I'm not really sure what wrought means, but I think it means he did them. He did a, this, is, this is Josephus, not a Christian. He was a man who was employed, he was a Jewish man who was employed by the governor of the day to write a history of the Jews. That was Josephus. Another guy uh, wrote in the Talmud, which is a, a later text, they killed Jesus because he practiced magic. It's interesting, isn't it? Outside of the Bible, people are having this evidence that Jesus did unexplainable things. Some people attribute that to maybe magic, amazing things, unexplainable things. These stories that we read about Jesus, they're not just made-up stories. They concur with truth, historical truth. 
But notice back in John chapter 6, notice what happens after Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. Have a look there in verses 14 and 15. The crowd sees these miracles, right? They see what Jesus is doing and what do they decide? They decide that they should take him and make him king. It's pretty cool. They kind of go, this guy, he can heal people and he can feed thousands of people. We should make him king and then he can do that for us. Do you see see their thinking patterns? Do you see what they're doing? They kind of go, this guy would make an awesome king. And I don't know if anyone's ever approached you and said, I want to make you king or I want to make you queen. Most of us, I think, would jump at that. We'd go, this is a great opportunity. But what does Jesus do? Verse 15, he withdraws. He retreats. They're all excited about the bread, about the healing. But Jesus says, no, no, no. That's not actually what I've come for. The crowd, do you see, they're all excited about this life and getting satisfied right now. But Jesus withdraws from that because he's got a bigger agenda. See, Jesus doesn't just want to satisfy us in this life. He actually wants to satisfy us for eternity. So you jump down to verse 26, verse 26, where we see this really clearly. That's the next day. The crowd has sought Jesus out again. And you see kind of why, right? They're hungry again. They had their fill yesterday, but like we all know, we have to get filled up again. So they seek Jesus out. They're looking for that earthly satisfaction because last time it didn't last. It satisfied for a short time, but it just didn't last. So they seek Jesus out and have a look at what Jesus says to them in verse 26. He says, Truly, truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Do you see what Jesus says there? He says, guys, you're missing the point. You've kind of missed it. My feeding you, my healing you, Jesus is saying, my miracles are just signs, earthly signs of what I want to do for you for eternity. I want you to have a bigger picture, Jesus is saying. You're getting all excited about the sign, Jesus is saying, and you're missing the point. See, think about signs for a moment. Most likely you've seen signs at some stage. I used to actually build signs. Uh, My dad had a contract where um, we would build those billboards, a little bit like this, um, for McDonald's, for KFC. We would build the steel structures. um, And that's what I kind of did in my uni holidays, three months of building signs. It was great. Um, And we'd build them, and, you know, they'd say 30 k's to McDonald's or 50 k's down the road, you can get a feed. Can you imagine stopping at the sign and thinking it will satisfy you? It'd be crazy, right? To, to think that the sign is where you're going to get fed. That's why Macca's actually had to do this sign. <laughs> Please do not eat the billboard. Because people get so excited about the signs that they forget the reality of what it's pointing to. It's crazy. The sign is not meant to satisfy. The sign is not the real thing. Those signs just point us to the real thing. And So what Jesus is saying is he's saying, if you want to be satisfied... You need to go what the sign is pointing to. My miracles, 
the bread, the healings, they're just earthly signs of what I can do for eternity, Jesus is saying. That's what you're meant to get excited about. So have a look at the next verse, verse 27. Jesus says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Don't get excited about these earthly things, guys, Jesus is saying to the crowd. Don't set your hopes on them because they're they're actually not going to last that long. Bread, it will spoil. Rather, Jesus says, work for the food. Get the food that I will give you. Eternal life. This is kind of a a mind shift for us, I think. Uh, it's, It's kind of flipping it on the head because so often we actually believe, I think, that if we just work harder, then we'll get satisfaction. Uh, what Jesus is saying, it's actually not about us working harder to get it. It's about sort of digesting what he gives us. So most of us, I think, we sort of live with this mindset that, you know, if I can just kind of get these things, so put things in this little space over here, if I can get these things in order, then I reckon my life will be okay. That exam that's coming up next week, uh, that placement maybe next semester... Get that in order, then I'll be okay. That relationship. Get that in order, then I'll be okay. But, but what happens, right? We well, kind of get them in order, you get through them, but then well, now my car's broken down. Oh, now, now, you know, I sorted the relationship out, but now my marriage is hard. Okay, get them in order, then my life will be okay. Well, now I've got health problems. Now, now I've got aging parents. Do you see? It just goes on and on. We kind of think that if we just work harder and, and we can work it out, then we'll be satisfied. Jesus actually says, don't work for that food. Now have a look at what he says in verse 33. Verse 33, he says, The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Do you see what Jesus says about himself? He says, I am like the bread that comes down from heaven. I've come to give you life. I've come to satisfy your life. So if you come to me, all your hunger, all your thirst, all your discontentment, I will satisfy that. I will fill it up. It's a massive claim, don't you think? And I think you've got to ask the question, well, okay, Jesus, how? How are you going to do that? Well, I think very quickly, in the verses that follow, as you might have picked up as Julie read it, it's a really complex conversation between Jesus and the Jews. But Jesus, you might notice, he keeps coming back to one main point. And his main point is this. Jesus says, I have come to give you eternal security. I have come to give you eternal life that can never be taken away. That's why he's come. And when you get that, when you sort of digest on that, that you have eternal life that can never be taken away, then that will actually start to satisfy you. Let's have a look there at verses 37 to 40. I'll just read them out. Verses 37 to 40, Jesus says this. He says, All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, 
but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. So my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. See what Jesus says there? He says, everyone who believes in him will be safe, will be secure for eternity. It's incredible. This is called having a bigger picture of life. I saw an ad uh, for a financial planner the other day. This is the ad. It says, informed investment choices, secure your future, talk to us. So if you get your money, if you invest it with them, you can secure your future. Do you know how uninformed that really is when you think about eternity? Do you know how short-term that future actually is? Do you think good financial planning, a term deposit, whatever it is, do you think that's going to provide any form of security when we meet our Creator on that last day who we've sinned against? What will money do on that day? Money will do nothing. But Jesus says he can do everything because he is the bread of heaven. Come down to satisfy the debt that we owe God. On that day, Jesus says, if you believe in me, I'll be there for you. I'm the bread of heaven. I've come down and I'm broken for you on the cross. I'll be there for you on that day. You belong to me. That's real security. That's eternal security. See, have a look at what Jesus says next in verses 47 to 51. Verses 47 to 51. He says, Truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Forever. Friends, I think it's hard for us to see this sometimes. Because we get really caught up in just things that are going on in our life. So I think when we think about the future, what do we think about? The weekend? Base camp? Graduating? Maybe getting married? Something? Retirement? Jesus says your future is eternity. That is a very long time. C.S. Lewis uh, says this. He says, Christianity asserts that every individual human being is going to live forever. And this must either be true or false. Now, there are a good many things which would not be worth bothering about if I were going to live only 70 years, but which I had better bother about very seriously. If I'm going to live forever. Suicide. Eternal life, friends, is very serious. Either it will be eternity with God or eternity separated from God. Heaven or hell. The Bible is very clear. And many people are so focused on satisfaction now that they completely miss out. So friends, I want to ask you, if you are someone here who 
takes Jesus' claims about eternity seriously. I really actually encourage you to think about what you're doing on this campus to help people see eternity and to help people see what Jesus says about eternity. I think next week's Easter is actually going to be really crucial to this. We're going to be giving out hot cross buns on Monday and Tuesday morning. I'd love it if you come and join us in that. Give out a hot cross bun, ask someone, what do you think Good Friday's all about? Here's the easiest way to have a conversation about Jesus. Invite some friends to our Easter dinner. It's going to be a relaxed evening. We're going to have dinner together. It'll be a clear talk about what Jesus has done. It'll be time for questions if people want to ask them. There's a great way for you to be thinking about eternity in this space. But for now, I actually want us to think about verses 53 to 56. Because in these verses, what we see is that Jesus says, if you want to be satisfied now, not just then, but now, you actually need, let's be graphic, to feed on his body and his blood. Have a look there at verses 53 to 56. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Now you read that. Do you know the early... Christians were accused of cannibalism. Serious. They were. I can assure you that's not what Jesus is talking about. Now he's actually saying, just like you might do this, clean a loaf of bread and rip it apart, alright? So that you can eat it. I won't eat it. So you can eat it and be we can eat it over dinner and be satisfied, just like you rip it apart. Jesus is saying that's actually what you need to do with him. You need to take his body, which has been ripped apart on the cross, for you. And you need to see that it was ripped apart for you, and you need to digest that truth until it satisfies you. Until you actually are nourished by it. So it's actually by, I think, it's really interesting that when you look at bread, for instance, unless bread is broken, it can't nourish you. See, I actually ripped that a bit early, but you know, can you imagine? You can kind of sniff it, kind of lick it, but until you break it, right, it's not going to it's not going to nourish you. You can't pull bits off. You can't feed you. You won't be satisfied by it. And Jesus is saying that's like him. It's only when you see that he's broken for you that he will satisfy you now. Let me just give you a couple of examples of how this works. Some of us, I think, get really dissatisfied because of our health, because we're sick. We go through sickness and we get really down about that. But in that moment, if you remember the cross, and if you remember that on the cross, your real sickness, your ultimate sickness of sin, has been absolutely healed, because Jesus died for you, then that actually gives you joy in the midst of pain. 
If you're worried or if you're insecure about finances and then you look to the cross and you see that Jesus paid your ultimate debt, your debt of sin, that actually gives you a peace, even in the midst of turmoil. If your relationships are kind of breaking down or broken down, but then you kind of look and you see that on the cross Jesus has healed the ultimate relationship. The one relationship that really matters, one between you and God, your creator, that he has fixed that, then that actually helps us. That actually gives us strength in the midst of conflict. Do you see how it works? Are you feeding on him? Are you digesting in your heart what he has done for you? If you want Jesus to satisfy you, you've got to come to him. You've got to. You've got to come to him and you've got to say, I've been feeding on all this spoiled bread, this earthly bread. I've been trying to find satisfaction there. But I need to come to you and see what you give me. And you need to take that truth and you need to just kind of chew on it until it nourishes you. Until it satisfies you. Until it gives you strength. You need to see that he was broken for you. Because that's how it will satisfy your mind. Let me pray for this. Father God, we thank you that you did not leave us stuck in our sin. But Father, you gave us your son who would come and be broken for us so that we could be satisfied both now and for eternity. So Father, I pray that we would be people who take hold of eternal life, that we so see what Jesus has done for us on the cross, that though we go through sufferings and trials now, we would see that you are good to us, that you have cared for us in the most ultimate way, And Father, would that strengthen us and would that help us to reach out with this good news of eternal life? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.